0: I'm not baby! It's
1: Jake C. Lee. I'm great.
0: Everybody
1: else sucks. Oh,
0: hell. oh no. It's every nightmare I've ever had. Excuse me. It's time to check the link. Pretty crazy, huh? <clears throat> but it doesn't matter because none of this has anything to do with the show. You know what? You just made the list. <laughs> oh, wait. You serious? Let me laugh even harder. It's all in. Sure, we talk about it all the time. Really? No. Game
1: on, everybody. It's All In Sports. Jake Sealy, your host. As always, follow me at All In Kid, just in case you don't know when you came from my terrific guest today. And also, as a reminder, if you're not checking out The Athletic, where you can get all of my rankings, projections, auction values, tons more articles... We had over 50 before our second wave launch, which just started this week. So, tons of information, everything you could potentially want out there. We even have offensive line rankings that will, or top five offensive lines that will help running backs from writers this year. So, a lot of stuff. But if you go to theathletic.com/slash/allinsports. You get 40% off your first year. So make sure you're doing that and you get the extra podcast that I'm on over there. But we're talking fantasy football today and we're talking fantasy football. And today's guest is somebody I've known for a very long time. One of the best in the industry, proven by the fact that he continuously wins. Speaking of industry leagues, and he's always, if not in contention and getting a bad beat in the flex league. And that's why I'm having him on as we just had the flex draft this past weekend. It's Adam Ronas. You follow him at Adam Ronas. And because there's like 17,000 things you do since, I I mean, ever since I knew you, Adam, you were like getting up at four o'clock in the morning to do 17 jobs in this industry. You're like a testament of the hard work that it takes. But make sure everybody knows where to follow your stuff, find your stuff, listen to everything, because I know I'm going to miss something if I try to do it myself.
0: Yeah, definitely. I appreciate you having me on, Jake. We have known each other a long time now. But you can find me at FullTimeFantasy.com. That's where my written content is. You could hear me on SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio at various times, but usually Monday nights with Lisa Ann. Lisa Ann does fantasy at 10 p.m. Eastern. And on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network weekdays, Monday through Friday at 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern. So, yeah, there's always a lot that I'm doing, but now it's gotten more concentrated a little bit over the years. And you know that. You come in work for a bunch of different sites and then hopefully at some point you get recognized and you can go to one or two homes
1: yeah you can whittle it down to one would be the nicest thing to do and Yeah, it's not easy for everybody out there. But again, if there's a testament to, you know, people are like asking me, but if there's somebody who I've known from the jump off when I started my career, that is a perfect example It's you, Adam. So I I hope people are paying attention to how hard you you put into this business. And part of it is, like I said, it's evident in what you do and you finish in your leagues and your industry leagues and your high stakes leagues and everything like that. We're going to talk about flex, but we're not going to talk about flex because everybody's going to roll their eyes and say, I don't care about Adam's team because when you talk with your buddies, nobody cares about everybody else's team. But we're going to talk about it from the fact of we're going to talk about the players and the thought process and a lot of stuff. But before we get to those, I want to talk a little bit of the biggest news because that's what's everyone everybody's mind. And there's obviously three players, one of them from your team that we should get into. But let's get into the weird one first, Adam. Um, I don't know how you feel. Excuse me, I don't know how you feel about feet, but I hate feet even if they're fresh out of the shower. So Antonio Brown, this is the first time. Adam, like I'm the type of person who I, I'll go and watch like, oh my God, there was a freak injury in a basketball game. You don't want to see this. And I'm the kind of, I don't know what the word is for it, but I'm the sucker who goes and like, I, I got to see it. I got to know what everybody's talking about. And I go watch. I have still avoided seeing Antonio Brown's feet, who now reportedly had frostbite from getting in a crowd chamber without socks on or something like that. Where are you drafting him if you're drafting today? What are you even doing with Antonio Brown?
0: I don't think you really need to move anything. First of all, with feet, I'm not a huge fan of feet. But I was thinking about this. I did see the picture of Antonio Brown's feet. They look disgusting. I haven't seen anything like it. And I was thinking, what if I took a girl home and everything was great? Her feet, she had the nice body that I want. And then all of a sudden, I see those feet. I'm going to (laughs) be honest, I would still get with her. Put socks on the feet. You You just put socks on the feet. I'm not kissing the feet. I'm not making love to the feet. They just look visibly horrible. So just put socks on it. It's not going to keep me. I'm not Rex Ryan, so I'm not going to kiss them. But I don't, I'm not really moving Antonio Brown right now. He's not been a target for me. I did get him in one league so far at the end of the second round. Apparently, this isn't major. I talked to someone who actually does cryotherapy, and they said, yeah, you have to have the proper gear on. And that's probably what happened is he didn't have the proper footwear on. It doesn't seem like this is going to be a major issue. The only concern is not working with the, his new team and car and getting acclimated to his new quarterback. But it sounds like he shouldn't miss too much time. The one concern for Brown is obviously effic- efficiency in this Oakland offense. I don't see him scoring 13, 14, 15 touchdowns like he did in Pittsburgh. But he's got to get the value. You don't spend that money, bring him in, and not throw him the football. You know right. he's not. It's not going to sit well with him. So the volume is going to be there, which is what we want in fantasy football. I just don't think the efficiency is going to be there. This is an offense that I think will be trailing and passing and playing from behind a lot. So I'm not moving Antonio Brown. To me, he's a late second-round pick.
1: All right, so let me ask you this then. Let me turn this. So last year in fifteen games with the Steelers, one hundred and sixty-eight targets. The biggest thing is like, in my initial projections, I'm a little wary as of today. But you, like you said, I'm not moving him down because I tell people all this, and you probably do the same. I'm not going to move him down only to move him back up in two weeks if he's out there practicing in week two of the preseason. Like that just does no service to you. You know the news. You know what's going on. I'm assuming as of today, if we get the news he's missing games, then we'll talk. But one hundred sixty-eight targets, fifteen games for the Steelers. If I said the fact that the volume is what you're talking about, and that's one of the reasons I actually thought he's been a good second round value because he seems to be going mid-late in seconds most often. If I said Antonio Brown leads the league in targets or you get the field, you'd take the field probably, but do you think it's a legitimate close conversation that Antonio Brown can be the guy?
0: Yeah, I think so. Like you said, I would take the field, but it's certainly a possibility that he could lead the NFL in targets. What if
1: I gave you five to one on the field? Or no, five to one on Antonio Brown, but even money on the field.
0: I think I would still take the field. I I think ten to one on Brown. Yeah, yeah, I I would take that.
1: Okay, I I just want to see if I could get you on your (laughs)
0: breaking point. (laughs) Yeah, look, I mean, I guess, you know, he is getting a little bit older. The yards per reception were a little bit down last year compared to years past. So you do take that into account. And, you know, we don't know if this foot issue, whatever it is, will linger. It sounds like it won't. And it still is early in camp. And I think with most players, we don't want to see them out there in the preseason and exhibition. We don't want them to
1: healthy week one.
0: Yeah, that's really the goal. And, you know, we sit here and panic about all these little things. Now, the question is, we got to hope they don't turn into bigger things. And with Brown, I just, from everything I've read and people I've spoke to, it doesn't sound like this is going to be a long-term issue.
1: Yeah, I think so. I'm with you as of today. It was something to be worth monitoring. All right, so another one was a good one to ask you if you think it's going to be an issue or not is the Todd Gurley talk is every single day. It kind of, at least every single week, it seems like it's something new. Is Todd Gurley is going to be fine, but Daryl Henderson's going to get the Chris Thompson role. But then, you know, Todd Gurley's going to be fine. He's going to get a workload similar, but a little bit more conservative last year. But he's still the guy. And then, like, everything. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, well, Todd Gurley's knee is not going to go away. It could crop back up in the middle of the season. Where are you on Todd Gurley? Because, for a reference, for everybody out there, and this is relevant to your team and flex. You had an opportunity to take him as the 10th running back off the board in the second round. You took Nick Chubb and said, So I, I'm assuming you're on the
0: worried side of Todd Gurley. I'm extremely worried. I'm actually surprised at how many people are so optimistic on Gurley. Sometimes it's pretty simple. Just read the signs and I'll bring back something that I wrote earlier this year with baseball. And I think we do this in fantasy. We want something to happen. So the example was the angel, Angels closer situation. Cody Allen was horrible. And everybody was like, oh, Ty Butchery, he's going to be the guy. Got to get him. And he had the better skill set than Hansel Robles. But I was looking at how the Angels were utilizing Robles and Butchery. They were tipping their hands showing Robles is going to close. So when the big fab week came up, everyone was spending on Butchery. I went with Hansel Robles. What happened? Robles got the job. It's not always about skills. It's what the manager wants to do. So to me, I was reading what the angels were telling me, and I went with it. It worked. The Rams are showing you they don't have confidence in Gurley. Gurley doesn't even have confidence in himself. Players are extremely optimistic. They think they can play through anything. I don't know if you saw this in early July, the comments from Gurley, when they asked him about his knee. It's good, man. It's good. I'm just like, hey, we're going to find out in training camp, you know? Who speaks like that if he has anything in his (laughs) knee? And why are not people looking back at what happened last year? I mean, week 14 last year, 11 carries, 28 yards, three catches, 30 yards against the Bears. You want to say, oh, it's a great Bears defense? Okay, not much of a workload there. It's diminished. Following week against the Eagles, 12 carries, 48 yards. Okay, he had 10 catches for 76 yards. Then they said, oh, he had left knee inflammation. He sits week 16 and week 17. He doesn't play a game for four weeks. Then against the Cowboys, 16 carries, 115 yards with a touchdown, two catches, three yards. Oh, he's better. Well, I don't know. The Cowboys were just gassed in that game, even by C.J. Anderson, who looked like one of the best backs in the NFL. And I read that they kind of knew everything that the Cowboys were doing on defense. What a shock with Jason Garrett as coach. So (laughs) then in the NFC Championship game, he had five touches. He played 32 of 69 snaps. That was a competitive game that the Rams barely won. And then you get two more weeks to rest in the Super Bowl. And he had 10 carries for 35 yards and one reception where if Todd Gurley was himself, they could potentially win that game. Cause it's not like New England was any good. What happened was in the fourth quarter, Tom Brady said, Oh, games on the line, I'm gonna win this. So either that he was so bad that he couldn't be good, or the Rams didn't trust him. Because how do you go through three playoff games and CJ Anderson gets 51 touches and Gurley has 37? And now we're gonna just now we're gonna just sit here and say, well, he had all offseason arrest, he's gonna be fine. He's had a lot of wear and tear on that. He ran track in college. He had the torn ACL. They went out and drafted a running back and traded up for Darrell Henderson in the third round. They matched the offer sheet on Malcolm Brown. I just think there's so many red flags here. And people are like, well, if you just cut Gurley's workload, and if you give him, you know, 16 to 18 touches in this offense, he's going to be fine. That equates to an RB7 or RB8 or whatever the math says. Okay, how do you know he's going to be effective? How do you know that he's going to be able to hold up after three, four weeks? What we're trying to do here in the first couple of rounds is minimize risk. We already know going into the season, he has a problem with this knee. We're not going to see him in the preseason. He barely did any offseason work. And if I'm wrong, I'll come back on here and say I was wrong. congratulations (laughs) congratulations <laughs> to the people to oh, girl, I
1: too. would never call you back up and be like hey we need to do you need No, to I'm do, just bro.
0: saying for the people or for the people who are listening like oh he's wrong girl he's a value because a lot of people are doing that I'll admit it and we are all the wrong anyone who does this we know even the best of us we're gonna get things wrong but we right. gotta take a stance and I'm just reading everything that the Rams are doing and telling me and I'm worried as hell with Todd Gurley. And I showed it in, in the draft. Like you said, I passed on him in the middle of the second round. If I say something, write it, I'm going to do that in the draft.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a testament to it. Is, and I kind of feel like to what you just said, kind of couples into the people that are listening. It's like It seems like the majority of the people are either, I've made my decision, I'm going to take that upside and risk. The majority of people are like more like you. And have that conversation of, in their head of like, hey, look, you got to watch what, what we're seeing on the field and what the team's telling us. I'm out on it. And there's a small percentage that are being swayed. But I feel like if, if there's anybody on that level, if they just listen to you, they're probably going to the worried side of things because it's a legitimate concern. And the biggest thing that I talk about is, I'm with you on this, like Darrell Henderson, I thought was an amazing, he was the only other running back I had with Josh Jacobs in my top tier before the draft. And they took him early-ish for a running back in the draft that apparently for a team that doesn't have running back issues. If Malcolm Brown is just going to be the fine backup. So I'm with you. I, was like, I think there's a lot of signs here that tell us you should be paying attention. Like, you see a stop sign, maybe you should pay attention to it. All right, so let's talk about your team and the running back issue there. These signs... Keep changing on this one, though. (laughs) Every day, it's something new, Adam. It's like, you know, oh, well, Zeke is going to hold out, blah, blah. And then it comes back, and it's like, no, Zeke never said that. He just said he wants a new contract. And then it's like, oh, the Cowboys plan and already gave him a top five running back position offer in his lap, including Dak Prescott and Mari Cooper. And then it's, well, the deadline's passed, and he's already in the position of he's out still in Cabo. He's not with the what are you doing with Ezekiel Elliott? Because I've been along the lines of this entire time of saying I'm not concerned. If you want to take him as the fourth running back of that top tier just because you want to avoid that risk because that group is such a class of its own, that's fine by me. But call me a naive Adam, I, I still think he size. I still think he plays. I just think the Cowboys and the Zeke are both on the same page of we know it's better if we just work this out.
0: I hope you're right. And I felt that way most of the time, but the longer this goes on, the more concerned I get, I still would take him at four. I think what's happening is people are just scared because of Le'Veon Bell, what happened last year. And obviously that was a different uh, uh, incident with him. Obviously the Cowboys built the team around Elliott and they really need him out there. We've seen Dak Prescott not be as good without Zeke on the field. And I think they want to try and pay all three guys, but they have to be careful that they don't butcher the salary cap and then ruin the rest of the team because I think this team is good. I think they have a shot at the Super Bowl. And I think it's just posturing on both sides. That's why things keep changing because both sides want to show, hey, we're not giving in. Eventually, I think he is there. But I'm amazed at how many people are so anti-player. I'm a Cowboys fan. And I don't want to pay a running back. I mean, I think we all know. We see it. Look at Todd Gurley. Look at what they paid him. And now look what they're dealing with. The running back can break down an instant. But I don't blame Zeke at all. I mean, think about it. He has two years left on his deal. If they just pile on the touches like they plan to do the next two years, who knows where his body is? He's got to get the money while he can. I mean, we saw what the Cowboys did with DeMarco Murray. They ran him into the ground and said, all right, peace. See you. So running backs are in a tough spot you know melvin gordon's making five million dollars this year i mean there's guys in the nba who come off the bench who make four times what he makes it's a joke (laughs) what's going on in the nfl i don't know how this happens again i can't blame melvin gordon either you want to say he's not a top five running back maybe he's top 10 maybe he's overrated okay but he deserves to make more money considering what the nfl generates and people are siding with these owners it's a joke
1: talk about that adam is like does anybody think matthew Stafford's a top 10 quarterback and it's that the the quarterbacks seem to just be as long as you're the next man up and a starter you're gonna get paid whereas the running backs are like we don't even care if you're top five running back you're still not getting paid
0: yeah and i understand the quarterback's more important but you brought up the names we can go through the list of the scrub quarterbacks that are making a ton of money it's just not right so I don't blame these running backs. I see a lot of people criticizing Zeke. Oh, he's not there. And his teammates with no contracts are. Yeah, because Dak Prescott knows he's going to get paid. It's a matter <laughs> of how much. He knows he's getting money. Zeke has the risk of, of getting injured and potentially having a career-altering injury
1: Yeah, this year or
0: next year without a contract. And then that's he, it. He blows he, blows
1: he. Some, yeah, he blows some knee ligaments or, at, God forbid, his Achilles, and he's on a one-year prove-it deal.
0: And the other thing with Zeke, I believe, is I don't see him get any endorsement deals, obviously, because of the -the off-the-field issues. I've seen Dak Prescott in commercials, so that's another area of income that he can't get that we talk about a lot with superstar players. Well, they can get endorsements and be in commercials. I don't think Zeke can with some of the -the off-the-field issues. Yeah. yeah. So that's another avenue of income that he can't get. All
1: right, so let's talk one more running back and then get to some of your picks, Uh, one that's in the news. But good news as of today. Damian Williams' report today, he's back on the practice field. The reports right before this, Adam, were the fact that Andy Reid was starting to get frustrated, wasn't on the field for the injury. Of course, we don't know. You could look at that either way, and I think you would agree. Is The frustration could be he's just frustrated he doesn't have his guy, or he's frustrated and thinks Damian Williams should be back earlier than he was. But we don't know. It doesn't matter now. It's all a moot point. He's on the practice field. I interpreted it as this, and you said, like, let's look at what teams are telling us and everything like that. And tell me if you agree or if you think I'm crazy. But the reports all along were, okay, Carlos Hyde was impressive, and they said that. They said, you know, we were looking at Daryl uh, uh, Williams is starting to make some noise, and then our, obviously Darwin Thompson and blah, blah. They're taking their opportunities. But if you notice one thing that's what I say what you did is, like, kind of reading into what things were said, is if you watched what the OC and the team said, it was – The preseason games are going to determine the depth chart behind Damian Williams. That told me, even though he's still not even on the field yet, Damian Williams is the guy. Now, if Damian Williams is out week one, that's a different story. But when you say the preseason games are determining the depth chart behind, and then you say the name that told me, I still feel good as Damian Williams is an RB one.
0: I think he is their guy. I don't know if I feel great about him as a RB1. I keep going back and forth on him, which means that I probably am not strong enough to take him because I keep – I see both sides of it. Okay, he's the starting running back in the Chiefs' offense. We know how valuable that is for fantasy, and that is something that we look at, touches, opportunity, team context. It's all positive for Damian Williams. But he's twenty-seven. He's never gone through an NFL season with a full workload. He's never had more than 50 carries in a season. I know last year when he got the opportunity, he looked pretty good. But they, even in those games, there were a couple that them where he they didn't give him a ton of carries. Now, he got it done in the passing game. And that matters for fantasy, especially in a league that rewards points per reception, whether it's full point or half point PPR. So I'm kind of going back and forth on Damian Williams. But as you said, if you look at what the team did, they gave him the two-year – uh, contract extension. They didn't pay him a ton. They brought in Carlos Hyde, who hasn't been good. I mean, the Browns finally wisened up and shipped it out and said, we got to play Nick Chubb. And, you know, I, I was happy about that because I drafted Nick Chubb in a lot of leagues and held on and held on. And you know how it is. As you go through the year, you start thinking, all right, it's time to cut him." Cause I actually co-owned a team with someone and we had Nick Chubb. And there was one week where he's like, it, maybe it's the week to cut Chubb. I'm like, no, we can't, we gotta wait another week. This could be a league winner. Fortunately we did. So, yeah, what the, what they're telling you, the Chiefs, is that they believe in Damian Williams. The hamstring injury probably dropped him down the board a little bit. Now he's back at practice today. So, I don't know. I don't really have, like, a strong stance. I see both sides to it, but that's kind of leaning towards me not taking him because I feel like there'll be someone else in a draft that is really feeling strong about him that's going to take him ahead of me.
1: Like me. See, that's what I kind of feel. This one is a little bit different. I feel like unless you're in on Damian Williams, you're not getting him. Like even if you're like you, like the, a lot of players we can say you're in, you're getting him, you're out, you're not getting him. Middle ground, you might. But I feel like even if you're the middle ground like you are right now on Damian Williams, you're still not getting him. You might as well be in the bucket of I'm not taking him because as you said, by the time you feel comfortable, he's off the board.
0: Convince me why you're so high on him.
1: Uh, it's it, To be honest with you, it's what I keep saying is he is the guy. Look, so there's two things, Adam, is I will admit it, and I said it a time and again, and I said it in write-ups, as you know, I always say exactly how I feel, is of anybody even within the top 20, he potentially has the lowest floor because Damian Williams' floor is everything you pointed out, is the 50 carries, is the fact that he's never really looked good until he was in this offense, is all the concerns, like he isn't even healthy as of today. It does have some injury history. We know all the issues with Damian Williams and the fact of his floor is you've dropped him by week five. That's his floor. Let's be realistic.
0: His I was going to ups- say week four, but you're right. And that was one point I didn't bring up, but I'm glad you did because you are correct on that.
1: Yes. So the upside is if he plays 16 games, Damian Williams isn't even top 10 talent-wise, but in the outside of the elites of the Elliott's, the Barclays, the McCaffrey, stuff like that, outside of the elites... You don't need, as we've seen, this what started this entire past half of a year of RBs don't matter in the NFL. That entire crew, but replaceability is a lot easier. And Damian Williams' style actually fits the Chiefs' offense, in my opinion, very well. And as long as he's the starter, because Andy Reid goes to his starter the majority of the time, he doesn't play with the. He's not Doug Peterson. He's not even close to Doug Peterson is 16 games of Damian Williams means he has top five upside because he's in this offense. You put him in 16 games in the Bears' offense, I'm not as excited. So that's why I'm in on Damian Williams. But admittedly, I'm always the fact of I understand his floor is worse than you can find inside the top 20.
0: Yes, and I'm glad you brought that up because that is absolutely true. And like you said, though, if it works out in this Chiefs offense and where you drafted him too, you paired him with Christian McCaffrey. So that makes sense because you – you are assuming McCaffrey's a lock. We all are. I'm sure someone in that top four is not going to pan out, whether it's injury or a holdout with Zeke, but it makes sense the way you constructed it. You're like, okay, if Williams hits, oh, with McCaffrey, money in the bank. If not, all right, I can find another RB two. We know there's going to be several that emerge off the wave war at some point during the season. Yes,
1: like exactly. Like don't, God forbid, please do not draft Damian Williams and Fournette or Damian Williams and Melvin Gordon or Todd Gurley and Damian. Like like, like you just said, it's, it's about your roster construction. You take that upside when you know you've got some safety elsewhere. So let me come back to your first pick because the draft we did for everybody out there, Superflex half-point PPR – uh, quarterbacks, again, you guys you can look at us and bump them up about a round because Patrick Mahomes in a super flex in your home league, he's going in the first round. But all that being said, the first six picks, what we've seen in a lot of half-point and non-PPR and actually even spilling over to PPR this year, Adam, is the running backs are starting to go because uh, it's starting to become more of the you got to get one. And you know I've always been bell cow in the first two rounds, at least get one. But it seems more people are coming that way, not because they want to be bell cow people, but because they understand that the drop-off is if you don't get one, all of a sudden you just get to round four and you're already rolling the dice on some guys. But you had the seventh pick, which I don't envy you. I hate five through eight this year. But you took Devontae Adams, his first wide receiver off the board. Was there anything in your mind that if Levi Bell happened to make it there, or I'm assuming David Johnson made it there, you might have went different? Or were you just kind of set on taking a wide receiver while everybody else is going the, the running back
0: route? Oh, no. I was hoping David Johnson would fall, mm-hmm. and I figured it wasn't going to happen. Bell I might have taken with him it's again all volume you know people forget his last year with the Steelers he only averaged four yards per carry he really wasn't that good he looks like he's in great shape I can see there's some optimism for the Jets so I would have considered Bell I almost took James Conner who went one pick after uh you know I do think yeah, he's going to have another really good year. I know there's been talk about Jalen Samuels involved, but they couldn't even move Samuels out to the slot a little bit.
1: Oh, uh, no. Just, so I I'm assuming you need to hear. So when I talk to um, Mike Tomlin, he comes to the Hampton Road Youth Foundation every single year. There's a couple players with him. And I interviewed him for the first time ever last year. And the first thing he says to me, he goes, I hate fantasy, just so you know. But I don't know if that's why. But he seemed to open up to me more. People were like, "Oh, I can't believe he actually answered some of your questions." So this year, when I got him, Adam, I got him in between walking from his hotel to the conference, and I asked him two questions. I asked him about the second wide receiver, and he said, "I have no idea." And I said, "No, really?" He goes, no, legitimately. I'm not. I'm not bullcraping you. I have no idea. It could be Moncrief for Washington." But then the second question, Adam, and this is what I wanted to tell you, and this maybe makes you even feel even better. As I said, well, we know how you've used your running backs in the past. It's always this guy, this guy, this guy, and nobody else really gets mixed in that much. You see that with James Conner this year, or will Jalen Samuels, and I didn't even finish saying Samuels, and he looks at me and goes, I love James Conner. He's my guy. It's it's, it's James Conner. So it makes you probably feel a little bit better, right?
0: Yeah, well, so would you take him seven over Adams in this format? Would you have done that?
1: I actually have James Conner as my RB5, so yes.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah, but I, don't, so I, I
1: don't hate the Adams pick at all.
0: Yeah, yeah, I thought about it and I said, you know what, Adams to me is just so is safer. He's got such a high floor. He scored double digit touchdowns in three straight years. Obviously, last year was a career. Even in the half point PPR format, he reached double digit points in every single game. We know Aaron Rodgers has a lot of trust in him. He looks for him in the red zone constantly. They have a lot of other receivers that we keep talking about that we hope for, but you have to have the trust of Aaron Rodgers. and Adams has it. So the way I looked at it was, okay, I'm going to take Adams and I'm hoping one of two running backs makes it back. And fortunately they did. I wanted Dalvin cook. He didn't make it back. He won one pick before Uh, Nick Chubb was the other guy. I was looking at and he did make it back. So uh, it is tough sometimes to take that wide receiver in the middle of the first round. I think at the end of the first round, You're just getting such great value on elite receivers like we saw Mike Randall do on the turn, Juju Smith-Schuster and Julio Jones. I mean, again, I prefer that in PPR, but I think there are still some solid running backs going late third round, early fourth round that you can actually make it work this year by starting two wide receivers. It's not ideal, but if you don't feel good about those running backs at the end of the first, I think you can still go with two wide receivers to start your draft this year.
1: I actually hate the value that fell to him because I'm a huge. Everybody knows this. I'm a huge Jacobs fan, and he's got Jacobs and Chris Carson, who I think is supremely underrated right now, as is one and two, despite starting with Juju and Jones. So I hate that he was able to start like that, and he took Baker Mayfield on third and still got all that. So that 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 ticks me off. But let's let's talk about your third round pick because that's an interesting one for a lot of people out there. You took Derrick Henry, RB 15. There's a lot of people right now. Adam, who would not have done what you did because right behind him was Marlon Mack, Aaron Jones, Jacobs, myself, but that's just whether or not you believe in the o- Oakland offense and as a rookie. So that, But the biggest two are Mack and Aaron Jones, who people are starting to draft as fringe RB1s and well beho- before Derrick Henry in spite of the injury even before that happened. So why did you go, Henry? Did you even consider Mack or Jones at that point?
0: Yeah, I did consider the other two. And, you know, Aaron Jones dealing with this hamstring issue now. He's had MCL issues in the past. So it's a little bit of a concern for me. I mean, he's dynamic, 5.5 yards per carry in his career. And it's all about can he get that opportunity? So I did consider him. Mac as well. I think obviously Mac plays better in a non PPR, half point PPR, because it doesn't seem like he's going to catch a lot of passes. But it is a good offense, great offensive line. He could score double digit touchdowns. And Henry is dealing with this calf issue, which is always a little bit scary with calves as well. We've seen in several sports and, you know, Andrew Luck now where he's talking about, yeah, I hope to be ready for week one or I expect <laughs> to be. Like, so people are, are are worried about that. But when the Titans offense really worked was feeding Derrick Henry. And I'm sure you know this because you do stats all the time. But when I was started looking at this thing back a couple months ago, you know, offhand fan, how many touchdowns Derrick Henry scored last year?
1: Uh, I want to say 14.
0: Yeah, he had 12. Like, it didn't seem 12. like it because he had the four – we all remember the four-touchdown game against Jacksonville in week 14 when he was on the bench for most people because they might have cut him. But this guy had 12 touchdowns, and it really was a down year for him. He only had 215 carries. Yeah. So, you know, I think, you know, you talk about leading the, the field in rushing attempts. I know we talked about before before with targets. I mean, Derrick Henry could be up there if the Titans – utilize him in a correct fashion. I know he's not going to catch a lot of passes, but again, half-point PR, it's not as relevant. But he had 12 touchdowns last year and didn't even get to 1,000 yards. You know, this guy could get, you know, 14, 15 touchdowns potentially. Yeah, it sucks that he's still sitting out practice, but again, just be ready for week one. So I think when you get to this tier here of running backs, I think it's pretty close. And I think it could be if I did this draft next week, maybe i go Matt. So I think it's, it's basically a tier of running backs that are really close and it comes down to how many shares you have of them or how you feel that day.
1: Yeah. I, I think that a hundred percent too, is they, they diversify a little bit because they're in that group of guys that you might like. And I think that's when you play in as many leagues as we do, you're going to mix things up. I, I said the same thing is, you know, if I'm picking two, sometimes I might take McCaffrey. If Barkley's there, sometimes I take Zeke and maybe I would mix in Camara, but You know, it's just kind of like you you kind of want a piece of everything when they're that tightly grouped. So I want to ask you about your quarterbacks because a lot of people out there are hopefully getting into super flex and hopefully putting some value back at the quarterback position. And as mentioned, Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson went in the second round. Luck and Mayfield went in the third. And then we started to see a little bit more trickle down. Actually, here's my first side question for you, Adam. So I, when I see supreme value fall to you, get mad not because I don't like you but because I know how smart you are and I'm like Adam doesn't need any extra help like we don't stop like he's already going to be in contention don't help him even more did a little bit of you get a little bit mad when Aaron Rodgers was the eighth quarterback off the board to me in the fourth round
0: I was surprised by it obviously I had an opportunity to take him around four but I took the value in the other direction and this is what I always preach and I'm sure you George do Kittle yeah. Yeah. I always like people always say, oh, I'm gonna take a running back in round one, a receiver in round two. Oh no. no. You can have a blueprint and an idea of what you want to do. You have no idea what's gonna happen in draft. I don't care how well you know your league mates, I don't care what your mock drafts say. Just look at this draft. And especially when you look at the end of the first round and early second round in every draft this year, it's completely different. I've seen Juju go in the first, I've seen him go in the second, I've seen Julio go ten overall, I've seen him go fifteen. I've seen Dalvin Cook go late first round. I've seen him go in the mid-second. It's all over the place. So yep. you have to be prepared for anything, and especially in a super flex lead when you throw in the boost of quarterbacks. If you would have told me before this draft, you're going to have George Kittle on your team, I would have said, no, not happening. It's not in the plans. But when he falls to, what, four, five, four six in the, in the fourth round, I'm like, okay, I'm going to take him there. When I looked at what else was on the board, you know, I could have gone – Quarterback, but my plan coming in was to wait on the quarterback. I feel there's so much depth at the position, especially picking seven in the middle rounds. And last year in this league, my quarterbacks were Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford, and I was the one seed with the most points. Now, Stafford obviously sucked down the stretch, and I think I wound up picking up Nick Bowles to replace him. And Goff obviously was great and then tailed off towards the end. But I don't think you need elite quarterbacks to win because if you're building up the rest of your depth, waiting on the quarterbacks, and they're just competent. You can win. Now, I didn't win the league because the semifinals, the team crapped the bet, which happened to a lot of teams last year. But I, yeah, I can't get upset.
1: 14 was the worst.
0: Yeah. But, so, I can't get upset. I mean, I, I hate losing. But, you know, the team was good, proven over the long haul. So, that was my plan going in. It doesn't mean, I ha- you know, maybe I would have considered Rodgers had Kittle not been there. I just felt that was too good a value to pass up. Melvin Gordon was there. But I didn't want to take that risk, and I already had two running backs. I didn't want to go to the third. So, yeah, I was surprised when I saw Rodgers fall to you at eight because we've generally seen him go four or five. I guess there are some people that do have concerns about Rodgers and will he mesh with LaFleur and what if it goes off the rails like last year. But he was hurt last year. He played basically through the knee injury that he suffered in week one uh, the whole year, and you could just tell. Watching that team, it was just so dysfunctional, and, and things were not right. So when Rodgers is healthy, he's clearly one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and you just got to hope that he meshes with Lafleur, and we don't have a, a clash like we did with McCarthy.
1: So, speak. Let's stick with the quarterbacks then, because in the super flex, and I don't see if you preach the same, or maybe you have a different strategy. But a lot of people are saying, you know, when do I take the first quarterback, or when should I take a quarterback in a super flex? And it's generally the same thing I tell people in quarterback leagues in general is because obviously the home leagues, a lot of times quarterbacks are going to go earlier. But especially in a super flex, Adam, I usually tell people you have to play it by ear. I wish I had an answer for you. But if your league starts taking quarterbacks in the first round, you're going to have to jump in and get one before you get the QB 12. Like my ideal scenario, and this just kind of happened. I never planned to take Rodgers, but my ideal scenario in a super flex is to get one quarterback out of the top 12. So QB one, and then another one inside the top 16 or so. So I, I hit twice quickly, but I'm not like drafting a top five and then I'm not suffering myself to take like 25 off the board. Uh, But again, the point being is you can't predict when that's going to happen. You almost have to see when the first three or four quarterbacks go off the board and start trying to judge the draft at that point. Do you have any additional insight of like how to judge? Because you fell into Trubitsky as your first quarterback and Kirk Cousins, So those were in the sixth and seventh round.
0: Yeah, I think you have to read the room and, like you said, see where the quarterbacks are going. So early on I could tell in this, Jeff, okay, a lot of people have the same mentality as me. They're waiting on the quarterback. You knew the run would come probably around four or five, and it started to go in five. I was going to take Jamison Winston in round five. I really like Winston a lot this year. I think he's just set up for success. Love the offense. They're going to pass a lot. The defense is terrible. They don't have a strong running game. He has Mike Evans, Chris Gobb, O.J. Howard. Love those weapons. Yeah, he's mistake-prone, but there's already talk that, you know, he's looking to make less mistakes. We'll see. That's what I was hoping. I was hoping Arians would get in his head. Some people think it's ingrained. There was one play last year where Winston was going down to the ground and just threw it up inside the red zone. I don't know exactly what you're talking about. You remember that? I, I think it might, maybe it was Carolina. I don't know. But you remember the play? Like, he was going down.
1: It's kind of like uh, – it was and, like the – it's an Eli pass.
0: And he was just throwing it up. I'm like, what are you doing? Take the field goal. I think it was starting down. like, don't make those mistakes. So, I'm hoping that coaches can get his head and make him watch that and say, look, don't do this. Take the field goal. So, either way – I liked Winston. I was all set to take him. And he went one pick before me around five. So then I looked at what was left at quarterback and I said, all right, I'll, I think I'll get a decent one in the next round. I would have taken Lamar Jackson if he fell. You know, I think people are like, really, I think either you love Lamar Jackson or you hate him. You took him in that round five. So I was hoping Winston or Lamar Jackson or, or Wilson would fall. They were all gone. Uh, so I said, all right, um, I'm going to take Chris Godwin in round five. Cause I love Godwin. Uh, I think he has a breakout year. I took him last year in a lot of the leagues. I took him out in Vegas in the high stakes league for the fantasy football world championships. First pick around nine, I believe. And, you know, it was a lot of ups and downs, but when Deshaun Jackson didn't play last year, there were six games. would had, had at least 90 receiving yards in four of those six games and four touchdowns. And he's going to play a much bigger role, more snaps this year. So I know the- And Adam
1: Humphries is gone too.
0: Yes, Adam Humphries has gone as well. That was the other day. So to me, that- Pool is concentrated now for targets there. It's like Godwin, Howard Evans, so that's great. It's ideal for fantasy for a team that should put the ball near, the air, I think, 600 times. Uh, so receivers were devalued a little bit in this, obviously, because of the superplex, but I was happy to get them in round five, and most leagues you are going to have to take them in round four. Uh, but, yeah, so the quarterback plan was kind of just read the room, see how it goes. The one good thing about picking seven in super superplex is, you're not really going to miss out on the runs. So you were at two, so you have to make those quick decisions. And right. you do that if you didn't take another quarterback there, you might be looking at someone you didn't like. And, you know, by the time you got back in round six, 18 quarterbacks were off the board. So, uh, you know, I would have liked my team better had I got Winston, but I think it can still be fine. You know, Trubisky, we're hearing a lot of reports that he's erratic in camp and not accurate. But for fantasy purposes, last year, he was a top quarterback before that shoulder injury. He does run a little bit. He had over 400 rushing yards. He's got Allen Robinson now, who wasn't healthy the whole year. He really came on strong towards the end of the uh, (laughs) –
1: Well, when was the last time Allen Robinson's been healthy the entire year?
0: Yeah, but last year he was. It's just he was coming off the torn ACL, so it took some time for him to get in a form. So I think – and he had a great uh, postseason game against Philly, so – you have him back fully healthy. Anthony Miller basically played with one shoulder last year. And Trey Burton was bigged up. So there's weapons here. You bring in Montgomery. You got Cohen in the past game. So I think the offense should be better. Now, again, Trubisky might turn out to be a disaster. Maybe he has a Blake Portals-like falloff. But uh, with the ability to run, Nagy running the offense, I think he can still be solid. And Cousins is boring, but – you know, should get 30 touchdowns, but I think a lot of guys in that range can get 30 touchdowns. The one concern I have with Cousins is I do think they want to be more run heavy. We saw it down the stretch when they changed offensive coordinators. If you look at Cousins' pass attempts, they went way down.
1: Even so, do you, do you know where? Not even overall because there's injuries involved. Even in, in a down year, do you know where Cousins finished in points per game?
0: Probably 10 or 11.
1: Yeah, no, very close. 14. Okay. And we're talking about a slim, I mean, we're talking about it was 0.1 to 0.5 to 0.6 points. Like, I mean, it was within a very, less than a point to QB 11 to that point. So as I just said, point a whole bunch there. So let's talk about one more player here for your team specifically. Maybe one, maybe two. Well, this one I definitely wanted to get to. You took Dante Pettis in the eighth round. And the reason I want to bring him up because he seems to have a very wide range of opinions. You took him as the 29th wide receiver off the board. I see a lot of people that are out there saying, how do you not take Dante Pettis as a top 30? And then you have other, and I kind of lean more into this camp. So maybe this is a sell Jake on Dante Pettis is, the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo, we haven't seen a ton of him still in this offense because of the injury. The touchdown numbers weren't that great when he was healthy. And then you have George Kittle essentially is the number one wide receiver for all intents and purposes. And then you have a question mark after that. Debo Samuel is a great rounder, route runner, is a rookie out there. You have Trent Taylor, who supposedly is working with Wes Welker, is going to make him amazing. Kendrick Bourne, and apparently they don't even want to cut him or because he might use him in the special teams. And then you have a backfield with – Pass catching options, including Jarek McKinnon, who they had a chance to get rid of and brought him back despite all that money, which tells me they still have plans for him. So sell me on Dante Pettis and this top 30 wide receiver because I'm a little bit more cautious than you are.
0: Yeah, I actually thought about Robbie Anderson here too. I decided to go for a little bit more ceiling or a potential breakout with uh, my third wide receiver here. You know, I, I was impressed with him last year. I know it was not an extensive look that we got from him. But, you know, was he had like 17.3 yards per catch. Uh, and he did it with a bunch of backup quarterbacks with Nick Mullins in there. And, yes, we have not seen much of Garoppolo. And everyone is excited. Remember, go back to last year. Garoppolo was being drafted as a top-10 quarterback in a lot of leagues. And it's funny now. He gets hurt. and Now he's outside like the top 20. It's funny how things right. change quickly. Like, what's the difference between this year – And last year with Garoppolo, if you loved him last year, why does it change now? Because he had a torn ACL? Like, I don't understand that. But uh, I still think Pettis is going to be a big part of this offense. You know, Kittle only had five touchdowns last year, which to me is mind-boggling. With all the big plays he had, I think he had like 20 plays of 20-plus yards. He only had five touchdowns. You know, he should be more of a red zone threat. But I just think this offense is going to be good. Uh, They have a lot of the pieces in place that are healthy. Yes, there's some competition at the wide receiver position, but I think Pettis is going to emerge of the group to put up uh, the top numbers at the receiver position. Yes, Kittle is going to be better and he should have the most receptions on this team. He's the biggest playmaker, but I think Pettis is is going to fit in well with Garoppolo. And yeah, you can make a case of, you know, Corey Davis went after, I love Corey Davis's talent and I had him on a lot of teams last year, but man, that offense is just so dreadful. I know Mariota wasn't, wasn't healthy, but then they brought in AJ Brown. They want to run the football, um, but Robbie Anderson, you can make a case for, and I guess Stephen Shepard too. But you know, I went for more of a upside in, in Pettis,
1: and that's certainly fair. All right, so last one because Barkley is waking up over here. Apparently, that's the puppy I got, and she's a she's gonna have to go to the bathroom here for a second. So Miles Boykin, that was the one I was talking about. That I was so mad that you got his wide receiver sixty. I was ready to take him in the fourteenth round. And you took him because he was my favorite underrated wide receiver in the draft. So there was a couple, but he was my favorite. And the fact that Marquise Brown is still not on the field and he could potentially be the number one was that your thinking, or was that just that? Were you just you're just taking a flyer?
0: Yeah, I mean, right. Now, you know, in the FSGA draft, I took um, Brown. Uh, no, why am I? Who who is the receiver we we're just talking about for the Ravens? Marquise Brown. Yeah. Yeah, Brown. So I took yeah. Brown there you know, didn't know at the time, you know, I I knew he had the injury, but I'm like, all right, he'll probably be ready for camp. So he's been limited here. So that's why I went with Boykin because, look, there's going to be plays where he's wide open. And Lamar Jackson just has to push the ball down the field. They're going to be so concentrated on the run. You have to worry about the run game. You have to worry about Lamar Jackson. Boykin's going to be getting wide open. And it's wide. It's it's 14th round, wide receiver 60. If it doesn't work out and Lamar Jackson continues to struggle, although he's been getting better every single year passing, and people forget that. Exactly. They don't have a lot of weapons in this offense. And, you know, Boykin could have some big weeks. So he's not going to start for me early on. I'll see how the offense goes. And we all do this with our picks in round 14, 15, 16. You're looking – For ceiling and i feel a lot of times maybe not in industry or high stakes leagues but you know this in your home leagues and we're here to help people win the home leagues people don't even look at their picks in rounds at the end of drafts oh um i know this veteran yeah i'll take him every pick matters man i don't know how to emphasize this last year in vegas so we did 12 round 20 round draft i had the first pick i had the last pick our draft flew. it went so fast and i'm Taking my time on my last pick, and everyone's like, "Just make the pick." I'm like, "No," because I was thinking, "Where? Who's the upside player? I want." I was going through Antonio Callaway. I thought about Philip Lindsay, and I'm not saying I knew anything about Lindsay. I just remember reading about him in camp, and there were a lot of positive things. But I'm like, "No, they drafted Royce Freeman. Lindsay's not going to play." And I ultimately went with Antonio Callaway. I wound up dropping him, and obviously he had a few big games and then disappointed. But every pick matters. So if you're in your home league, don't forfeit these last round picks, a lot of them yeah. don't work out. But if you just get one or two of your last, if you get one, if you get one of your last five round picks to work out and become an every week starter, that's the big deal. We know we're kickers and defenses, well not for you with kickers, but defenses <laughs> go late. But don't mail in these picks. And I feel like a lot of people do. They go down their list and they're like, oh okay, where's the veteran I know that's washed up and take him. I'd rather take a guy like Boykin where it could really work out. You know, we know he has a lot of potential in this offense. Yeah, they're not going to pass a lot, but he could be the guy that gets the most targets. And I know people are going to point to how John Brown went really off the rails last year with Lamar Jackson, which really sucked because I like John Brown a lot. And that was terrible. Like, I had to drop him. on Like, this is not working. So I understand that other side to it. But I think there's a potential for Lamar Jackson to improve as a passer and Boykin could be the benefit right now.
1: No, I'm 100% with you. I just love how people want to write the book on Lamar Jackson being done, similar to the Jared Goff. And I'm not saying he's the passer that Jared Goff is, but I was surprised that maybe after one year, not even a full season, not even a full season with the offense designed around him, that maybe we shouldn't judge him 100%. But if anything, hopefully you guys judged and realized that Adam's a great mind, a great one to listen to. So you follow him at Adam Rose, and once again, remind everybody of those litany of things where they can get your advice with
0: yeah you can find all my work fulltimefantasy.com if you use the promo code Ronas50 you get your first two months for the price of one and you, oh, can, nice. also, you can also catch me on SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio Monday nights at 10pm Eastern and FNTSY Radio weekdays 2-4pm to 4 p.m. Eastern
1: yeah he's one of the best in the business that's why I had him on I appreciate it Adam I'll be back next Wednesday as always so until then everybody good luck in your drafting season and uh, have a good one